This episode is sponsored by our friends at Creative Edge Publicity. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host. I am so glad that you are spending a small part of your day with me and my special guest today, Doug Lawrence. He is the founder of Talent C and the co-founder of the International Mentor Community. So folks, grab that cup of coffee, sit back, relax. You're going to want to listen into this conversation today as Doug is doing some amazing work with America's veterans. everyone. Welcome back to Let Fear Bounce. I am your host, Kim Langling. Thank you so much for spending a part of your day with me and my special guest. Today, I have Doug Lawrence with me. He is an international speaker and author about all facets of mentoring. He's published The Gift of Mentoring in 2014 with his second book set to publish this year. Doug works with organizations to establish mentoring programs, influence mentoring as a culture, and provides one-on-one direct mentoring for individuals of all backgrounds and levels globally. Doug is currently working with researchers to examine the role of mentoring as a support for those struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder, otherwise known as PTSD. His experience in law enforcement coupled coupled with working with people suffering from PTSD has afforded him a unique view of mentoring and of post-traumatic stress disorder. Doug, thank you so much for joining me on Let Fear Bounce, and I am super excited to delve in to all of this amazing stuff that you're doing regarding mentoring. So thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for having me, and it is definitely one of my passions is mentoring and mental health. So I look forward to our conversation. I do too. I do too. And my first question is, how did you get into this realm of mentoring? It actually, so the the, the mentoring and mental health piece actually came, came to be when I was approached by a couple of researchers who said, we think there's possibly a fit for mentoring as part of the support structure. Here's what our review of the literature has, has determined. What do you think? And then on top of that, I had just your average person that would come up to me and say, I have a friend that could benefit from you spending time with them. And they, you know, they're dealing with, you know, anxiety, stress, they're dealing with all the different mental health components. And we think that you need to get more involved, you need to get more engaged. And that was the start of it. So mentoring, now, and you're working with folks with PTSD. So are you a counselor by trade? No, I'm actually, I'm a retired Royal Canadian Mounted Police officer who who didn't, didn't realize it until I started the review of the literature, the research and all that. I didn't realize, but I had post-traumatic stress too. Okay, so there's a little bit of an underlying story there. Yeah, there is. That's probably the best way to describe it is there is a there's an underlying story because part of it was that the the RCMP, the organization at that particular time, didn't provide support, mm-hmm. didn't really understand the impact of, you know, post-traumatic stress and all of those things, didn't understand that, you know, the family needed to have support as well because they actually were by de facto status they became the support group that we weren't getting from any place else. And so that's a whole story unto itself. Oh, no, you're all right. And I completely agree. I completely agree. 
as I'm a veteran who lives with PTSD and I know that that does affect those around you and a lot of times your support system that's in place you know your family friends what have you they may not understand mm-hmm. how to how to support you and oftentimes that 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 makes it worse sometimes you know it or it puts extra pressure unintentionally but it may put extra pressure on that person who lives with PTSD so you mentor people transitioning you have here in your in your bio tell me a little bit about that so the transitioning part is so i'm working with uh, an organization called american corporate partners in the united states and what they do is they they help service people transition from service life to civilian life and so with them they you know they bring the the usual challenges which is you know if they're dealing with post-traumatic stress what are the triggers how do they manage those triggers all of those things right and so where i come in is i'm a great listener and so let's have a conversation so that i can get to know you a lot better right through that through that mentoring process and then we talk about you know how are we going to manage some of those triggers and like one that Really, I didn't even think about it at the time, but one of the people that I was working with said that, you know, fireworks going off in the back, uh, you know, just sets them right off. They have all these, you know, images that keep coming back and I'm going, okay. So now as part of my mentoring, I'm a lot more cognizant of trying to understand and trying to get to what are some of the, the triggers. And so I'll openly have a conversation that, you know, tell me what are some of the things that, you know, you struggle with, you know, like a car backfiring, does that cause you problems? And if so, what can we do to sort of deal with some of those? And each person has had such a, such a different, I mean, they even may have been in the same area, but each person has absorbed certain things in a different way and they carry it differently. For me, myself, I mean, I find this, I, I find it fascinating trying to figure out all that stuff, but when you're doing it for yourself, it doesn't usually yeah. work. Um, but I know for me, crowded areas, small rooms, and smells are my triggers. Certain smells, mm-hmm. small rooms, and crowded areas. I will find that anxiety level, it just creeps. You can feel it. I can feel it creeping. And I'll be like, okay, oh, here we go, here we go. So for me personally, I don't necessarily steer away from those things. I used to. Now I don't, but I know better how to deal in those situations. So what types of, have you run into folks or met folks or talked with folks that they've got certain, you know, maybe it's a smell. I mean, what is, how is it that you mentor them through something like that when it's a smell? It's not something you can grab onto. Well, you know, in a lot of cases, like the one that I think of is an individual who went through a lot of trauma as a child. And, and part of it was, you know, where they, they were recording what was taking place. And so now when they get asked if they could do a presentation and, and that sets them off, right? That, so then it's a matter of saying, okay, what are some of the things that we can do? Where in that time frame? where is that safe place that you like to go to? And so let's create that safe place for, for you to be able to do what you need to do, but also at the same time, 
what we want to be able to do is for you to be able to manage those triggers, not have the triggers manage you. Exactly. Not have them manage you. So we all want to have a peaceful life. <laughs> no one wants to live on the edge all of the time and have that creeping feeling all of the time. And I know with me, and I'm, I'm very open and honest about my journey of living with it. You know, years ago, I didn't acknowledge it for probably 15 years, close to 15 years. I didn't acknowledge it because, hey, I'm a strong person. I got through all of that. I don't need any help. I'm perfectly fine, you know. But when you build those walls or you close those doors, and I tell people that, my veterans that I, that I chat with now and over the years, they won't always stay shut. The doors will not always stay shut because life happens. And those triggers, even though you might not know that's what they are, are going to blow those doors open. And one day you just might find yourself on your knees wondering what the heck's going on and if you're going crazy or not. So let's not get to that point. Let's address it sooner. You know, and I, mine, I learned that through experience. You know, the doors don't stay shut. Your walls don't stay built. They're going to crack and crumble and maybe just blast down. Who knows? It depends on what's going on in your life. But I, it's, you know, it's fascinating to me of how my journey, looking back, of course, in hindsight of how my journey was. And I can see where it's like, oh, goodness, Kim, why didn't you address this back then? <laughs> you, know? you question yourself. So when you're speaking with folks, and it doesn't, it not, whether or not they're veterans or not, when you're talking with them, that have PTSD and anxiety and all that goes with it. What's one of the one of the main things that you that you speak to them about? Like you know, what's uh, is there like one main thing, something that they can that they tr that you can use, I guess, across the board. I know everybody's totally individual, but is there one main one main pocket of thing that you talk about to provide those folks with PTSD to make them more comfortable in saying? Yeah, I have PTSD. Yeah, I struggle with this. To, so, to let them know that they're not alone. They don't have to sit in that darkness alone. What is it? Do you have something like that in your toolbox that you provide to folks? It, it's interesting you use the, 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 the terminology, you are not alone, because that's actually the title of my next book. Perfect. Right? So, um, and that's exactly, that's a lot of what I see is that people are, are reluctant to open that door and reach out with that hand to be able to say, help, I need help. Because we've created the stigmatism that, you know, oh, you're, you're, you're crazy because, you know, you've got post-traumatic stress or, you know, you're suffering from depression or anxiety, you know, just suck it up, buttercup. Well, no, that's not going to work because, so what I try to do is number one, I do, I kind of do a, I call it a scan, but I basically, I just take a look at the person as they stand before me and their energy gives off lots of signals and stuff as to, you know, something's not quite right. And let's have a conversation. I'm sensing that you're not, you know, and let me share some of my story with you first so that you, you know, it, it helps break that those walls down so that we can start to have that conversation and, you know, with my story, it involves, you know, my wife and two young children where they became my support structure and I was not a good person to be around. 
and know that my our circle of our inner circle of friends kept getting smaller and smaller and it was just because of you know my behavior or my lack of good behavior and so it's it's getting people to understand that you know i've lived through this and come out the other side better largely due to my family support mechanism that's in place whether you have that or not you have me as your mentor that's going to walk beside you through your healing journey. And together we're going to tackle whatever comes at us and we're going to turn this all around. So that's kind of how I position it for, for them. I, the big thing is, is I just, I don't want anyone to feel that one of my favorite sayings is you're, I'll never leave you on the island by yourself. And that's, that's what I try to do is, is, help them understand that the, you know, it's okay to reach out and ask for help. We'll talk our way through a lot of this and we'll be able to do some really good things and, and then go from there. One of the things that you, that you mentioned that stood out to me is you share some of your story with them first. To me right there, that is that bridge. Yeah. And I've seen it with, I mean, you know, hundreds and hundreds of veterans over the years that, they might be able to speak with me and not that i'm even, i'm not a counselor i'm not a mentor i just i'm i'm part of their community they will share stuff with me that they're not necessarily able to share with their kids or their spouse or their other loved ones and a lot of times i hear they 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 say they weren't there they yeah. weren't in my shoes you haven't been there done that and or they say I can talk to, I feel comfortable talking to you because you get it and you don't judge me. And that's a big one. That I think fear of being judged for what you may have had to do in your time in the military. It was your job, you know, and those folks, they carry enough weight and guilt and all of that. You wouldn't want your loved ones or supposed friends to add to that with judgment. Because that could, you know, you never know what's going to break the camel's back and bring someone to their knees and make them make decisions that would not be healthy for them at all. And so that's one thing I, I, I always like to state is there, there is no judgment coming from me. No judgment coming from me. So the thing... Um, Another thing I want to ask is, do you mentor more men or women or both? I, it's it's both, um, but I do find that I have a, we'll call it a stronger following of, of women than I do men. And Interesting. Interesting. Why do you think that is? I think a large part of that comes back to our male ego where you know, uh, it's a sign of weakness if I have to reach out and ask for help. And so as a result of that, I'm just, you know, I'm going to carry that baggage with me for a little bit longer until until it gets to a break, what I, I would say is a breaking point and, and then, then they will. But yeah, I just, when I take a look at, I scan back people that I'm working with right now and I sort of go through the list, I would say that it's probably 60, 40, might even be as high as 70, 30. So that's interesting. 
I know when, um, and you know, I've been out for almost 30 years. I just aged myself. But it took almost 15 for me to acknowledge, oh, I might need a little help. And at that time, there was literally nothing in place for female veterans. Nothing. And it really hasn't been till maybe the last five or six years that there are more programs, at least through the VA here in America, for female veterans, for female veterans who have went through military sexual trauma, things like that. There, were, there was nothing, nothing in place, and there were certainly no programs in place with mentors such as yourself providing what you do. Nothing yeah. in place. So you did feel like you were alone. You, you felt like, you, or at least this is how I felt. I can only speak for myself. Felt like I was in a boat and I had no oars. They just shoved me out there in the lake and I was just kind of floating blindly, not knowing what to do, how to handle certain things, or what was wrong with me. And it took me a long time to realize there's nothing wrong with me. There were certain things that I went through that were incredibly difficult. I've come out the other side stronger and it takes a tremendous amount of courage to not only fight the, the original battle, but to fight those internal battles. So I yeah. don't see anyone that with PTSD as anyone who's weak or weird or crazy or anything. I look at them and think you are one hell of a strong person because I don't know what your total story is, but I know the battles that you probably fight every day and that takes so much strength and so much courage. Yeah, it, it, and to take that first step, that too speaks if you can take that first step and say, okay, I need help. And if you can do that, then we're, we're off to the races. We're, you know, we're gonna be able to do some really good things and go through that. I, what I, what I, causes me some, We'll call it concern, but with one of the the uh, the vets that I was working with, and they were seeing counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists. They were going through the whole gamut, and then we would have our session. It'd be an hour long, and she would talk for the whole hour. Like I just sat there and went, you know, once in a while, ask a question, whatever. She actually told me the story of her having her meeting with her caseworker, and. Who, who she basically told her caseworker, I don't need the counselors. I don't need the psychiatrist. I don't need the psychologist. I don't need any of that because I have Doug. And I went, you know, what could I say at that stage other than, okay, what right. we're doing it right is what we're doing is obviously some good, but my, uh, the biggest attribute that I bring to the table is I listen and I hear and I keep my mouth shut when I know that somebody has a story to tell. Right. And they're not, you don't treat them as just a number. Yeah. And that yeah. makes, that makes such a huge difference, such a huge difference. And, you know, there are so many different types of ways that people can get help. Like you had mentioned all the different types of people with all those different letters after their names. Not every, not all of those are a good fit for everybody. That's right. And just blindly taking pills or prescribing pills, that's not necessarily the right thing for everybody either. And so I, you know, I love what you're doing and I have tremendous respect for it. And it's just, it's awesome. And the way that you help people, and you're not only hoping that helping that person, I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're causing that ripple, you know, because that person in turn, as they heal and they feel better, they're more than likely gonna turn around and help people themselves. 
because they'll be able to recognize those little pieces and say, oh, wow, this person's hurting. This person's struggling. Maybe I should, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, something. It's a ripple effect. I just, I feel that very strongly. And I know you, you put out good. It's going to yeah. continue. You know, I always like to say, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking to folks or whether it's, re, you know, it's a veteran or not, I just, I just want to, I want to toss those little pebbles of goodness. That's what I want to do. You know, I, I've, I've been through too much that's, that's dark and negative, And I've reached a point in my life where there's no place for it. There's just no place for it anymore. And I don't allow it to come into my life anymore. Yeah. So I want to toss those nuggets of goodness. I look at you as you're, you're tossing nuggets of goodness all over yeah. the place. And I think it's awesome. And I commend you for that. And it sounds like that it's your passion. Yeah, it definitely is. It's, it's almost like it, it, I just can't get enough to because, and I went through a time period where I was, I was sad because I felt that I couldn't help everyone. And that was the thing that caused me the sadness was I can't, I'm not able to help everyone. What, what am I supposed to do? And the message I got was very clear was that you, you take it one step at a time, one person at a time, one organization at a time. And as you do that, the momentum will start to build and and eventually you'll get to that, that place where you're you are helping more than one person at a time absolutely yeah, and I, I i look at it i often look at it as you know when i'm when i'm assisting a veteran or in my writing i might not be able to change the world but i can change one person's world yeah. and how that ripples out we never know but hopefully it ripples out with goodness yeah. you know so you said that you your second book is You Are Not Alone. Tell us about your first book. Does it have anything to do with your first book? Is it a continuation or is it something completely different? It, it's an immediate hard right. So <laughs> the, gift, the gift of mentoring was about sharing the story, story of mentoring itself and trying to get the message out there that, you know, here's something that we all need to take a look at and the value and all of that sort of stuff hard right to you are not alone and and it's 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 there's five i think five interviews i interviewed five different people who all have a story to tell and so i've got that included in the book but what it is is it's a you get a little bit of a smattering of here's what mentoring is about and then i take you down the path of here's how mentoring can help in this mental health space and, you know, based on some of the reviews, some of the literature and all, all that sort of stuff. So it's a combination of a little bit of academic stuff, but more from the practical application of mentoring processes and concepts. So I guess in some respects, it's taking what the gift of mentoring had done and kind of pumping the tires up a little bit more yeah. and, and, and then using that to be able to lay the foundation for you are not alone. So where can our listeners find your book? So the gift of mentoring is available on Amazon today. Uh, you are not alone. It's not published yet. We're, we're, we're going through the steps to, to, to get there. The exciting part is, is it has been picked up by a, by a publishing company that's going to publish it. So I'm absolutely ecstatic and blessed that that's taking place. Awesome. So we're targeting probably December, January timeframe because we want to 
we want to make sure that we've got everything the way it, it needs to be so the message is, is very clear. That is awesome. Congratulations on that. That's exciting stuff. We definitely have to keep in touch because I want to know when that book comes out next year. Obviously, I want to know because I'm going to want to read it. But as we wrap ourselves up here today, as, as our chat comes to an end, can you leave maybe one tip or a little inspirational nugget for our listeners that they can take away with them today? So the, I think the biggest thing that I want everyone to take away from today is that, you know, it's okay to come out of the closet and it's okay to reach out and ask for help because you're not only are you, if you choose not to, not only are you causing or creating some problems for yourself, but you're creating for people around you. And, tr and trust me, I've been there and I know the impact it can have on your family and they don't deserve that. Thank you so much. Um, and it's, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and veterans and folks with P that live with PTSD. That's, that's kind of a passion of mine. Um, and I have tremendous empathy for all of those who do live with it. Um, I hate to call it a disorder. I just say I live with it. You know, disorder has a negative connotation to it. So for all of those who struggle and live with it, I have such empathy for you. And as Doug mentioned, there's help out there. There's, there's help out there. And it's difficult to ask for, but you can because you are strong, tremendously strong. You've been through the worst already. So why not make your life just a smidge better, one step at a time? Doug, thank you so much for being my, my guest today on Let Fear Bounce. This was an awesome, an awesome conversation. I appreciate everything that you do and that you're gonna to continue to do in the months and the years ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity. All right, folks, that wraps it up for another episode of Let Fear Bounce. Tune in next week, and we will have another wonderful guest with some more great conversations coming up. This is Kim Langling. Thanks, and everybody have a wonderful day.